Welcome back to the AP World History Podcast. Uh, we're going to be taking a look at the second wave of imperialism by Europe uh, from the 1750s or so to the 19, or to 1900. And uh, we're going to break this into three parts. So we're going to look at why the Europeans go and do it and how they're able to do it. That's going to be the first part. Second part then is going to be looking at what it's like in those colonies. And then the last part is going to be looking at some specific social aspects within those colonies that change um, drastically. Uh, from this European conquest. So starting us off here, looking at the industrialization aspect of this and how it led to that. Uh, there, there are a couple big things that the industrialization does. Uh, one, new technologies come about that allow this to happen. So you have the steam engine, uh, which will lead to trains and uh, boats being able to transport uh, materials and men faster. Uh, the big one here is going to be the steamboat uh, the steam engine will eventually be put into those territories to help maintain control and connect uh, connect the vast territories. But the, the boat is the thing that's going to initially allow this. As well, uh, technology-wise, we'll get the Maxim machine gun. Uh, it's not like your normal machine gun. It was a crank gun. Uh, but you could replace several soldiers just having one of those. And uh, you also have uh, other technologies like uh, the telegraph, which allowed almost instant communication uh, as long as you had that telegraph line going on. And you had uh, new uh, medical uh, practices um, to prevent diseases as well as heal people that were getting uh, sick or were getting injured in fighting. Uh, so that allowed you to, to kind of have a better, more effective army. Um, and then as well, um, the development of the Suez Canal to connect the Indian Ocean trade to Europe more directly. Uh, through uh, the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea um, helped facilitate this, allowed for faster transportation to places like Asia and East Africa. On top of this, the Industrial Revolution led to it in that the Europeans needed more resources to fuel the Industrial Revolution as well as they needed more markets to uh, as well fuel it because, well, uh, the Europeans bought up all the goods that they could, but at some point you don't need any more soap. And when warehouses are full of soap, you got to find some place to go sell it. So, hey, let's go conquer some places and then force them to buy our soap or other products. Uh, but soap's going to be one of the big ones. Uh, and we'll look at uh, the Pear Soap brand and some of their ads. And uh, you might be repulsed by them when we look at them in class. Uh, but uh, we're going to take a look at some of that stuff but that's that that's one of the big reasons that the industrial revolution leads to this as well you have a population that wants to uh that's that's growing so you can export people you can send people out to go conquer and then also colonize it and uh, with that those people are looking to make make profits and and make some money and so there's that desire to do that by bringing in those natural resources as well that fuels the industrial revolution and then uh, the two last big things are, are nationalism and that the countries want to show how much better they are than the other European countries, but they also want to prove their superiority to everyone else. Uh, there's this Eurocentrism or this belief that the Europeans are better, more advanced and everything else than all the other regions of the world. And so therefore them colonizing it is their way to show one, their superiority and two, to try to raise up those other groups. And so we're going to see something called the white man's burden coming up where the, uh, the Europeans are there to educate and bring up the uncivilized societies. But that's kind of hogwash because they don't really do that. Uh, but they say it's a civilizing mission to to bring those people up. Uh, but the the idea that you see coming through this is is based on uh, social Darwinism or the idea of uh, um, 
natural selection and survival of the fittest. And so the Europeans are saying, well, we're superior because we're at this point. And um, that's kind of, uh, again, a, another uh, BS reason for it. Um, but that's how they justify it. So that's what allows or leads to the second wave of or imperialism. And here's kind of what it looks like. So the places that are, are the focus of colonization are going to be Asia and Africa. Uh, Europeans are really going to focus on Africa. Uh, so that's where you're going to get uh, Britain going. You're going to get Germany going there. You're going to get France going there. Italy's going to go there. And Belgium's going to go there and set up some really large colonies. Uh, Spain and Portugal will also have some colonies like they used to. Uh, but they're not going to be as significant players. And uh, you'll also see them go abroad, though. So you'll see Britain go to India. You'll also see a lot of these European places set up territories of um, influence in China. Um, we're not going to get too much into that one yet. Uh, and we're not going to get a, a... We'll get into India maybe a little bit, but not, not significantly as well. Uh, we're going to be focusing a lot more in Africa here in, this, in these sessions. Uh, but um, that's kind of what we see going on there. Uh, Britain will also move into the South Pacific or Oceania and take over uh, Australia and New Zealand. And this is going to cause some devastation to those peoples, not because the Europeans mean to wipe them out, but they don't have the immunity to diseases uh, like the, that the Europeans have been exposed to. So similar to the American um, conquest, uh, a lot of natives there are going to die from those diseases. The U.S. is also going to be a part of this imperialistic time. Uh, their main thing is going to be beating up on Mexico, uh, beating up Native Americans. But once they've pushed all the way west and they've completed the manifest destiny, then they're going to look abroad and go and beat up the Spanish to take over some of their colonies. Uh, Cuba for a short time, but Puerto Rico, that's why Puerto Rico is still a protectorate. Uh, they'll take the Philippines away and make that their colony. Uh, this is where you get the islands of Midway. Um, as being a part of it, uh, Guam and, and some others like that. So uh, the United States, although I like to say that they're not imperialist, are imperialist, especially during this time. Uh, Japan, we're also going to see uh, rise up. Uh, they've been backwards. They've been isolated. We haven't really talked about them a lot, uh, but this is where we're going to start talking about what happened with Japan and their, their rapid, rapid industrialization and uh, what allows them to be imperialistic and allows them to be a major player when World War I and World War II roll around. And then there are three exceptions to this conquest. Pretty much everywhere in the world gets conquered by the Europeans in some way. They dominate that region that has an old empire there, or they directly control it. Uh, but three regions are the exception. Um, the Americas we're not going to talk about because they've already been uh, under European control and the Europeans leave them alone. Uh, but they are Liberia, which was set up by the United States as a place to return freed slaves or slaves uh, that were captured during the slave trade. Um, ships that were captured and sent there to free those people um, after it got abolished. And then the other two are Ethiopia and Siam that remained fully independent, were able to defend themselves. Uh, Siam is also known today as Thailand. Uh, and uh, they used their ability to uh, play the Europeans off of each other to remain or, or keep their independence as well as using their military as best they could um, to to protect themselves. So that's kind of the, the regions in a nutshell. Uh, and and where they get uh, what what European powers get control there. Um, 
Now, the, the one area I want to focus on a little bit more is um, the, the conquest of this. And I want to talk about Africa a little bit more because that's a little bit more unique and that's where we're going to spend more time. So how, how are the Europeans able to do this? We kind of talked this with the industrialization piece, but they can go in there with smaller units and they can go into several different areas with their um, steamboats and other modes of transportation and take those soldiers with their superior training, superior drilling, uh, superior weapons and equipment and everything else like that and be able to run over the um, native peoples in those regions that are not as highly advanced militarily. Uh, this is really where the Maxim machine gun comes in. Uh, it is a much better weapon than what any of the Native Americans have. And the Europeans will not see anyone with a similar weapon until we get to them fighting each other in World War One. And so... They're able to go and conquer, and all these Europeans have this. And they don't want to use it against each other. They've seen what happened with the Napoleonic Wars, and they want to hopefully prevent what happens in World War I. Uh, but they didn't know World War I was coming, of course. So what they did when they went to colonize, especially Africa, because all the Europeans were going at it at the same time, uh, Prussia held a conference saying, here's uh, to kind of lay down the ground rules of what uh, was going to happen here. And so... Um, what they did is, is uh, they, in the Berlin conference, they said, here's, here's what you can do. Um, we're not going to fight each other with this. You need this kind of stuff to prove that you have this. And um, over the next 25 years, from 1875 to 1900, you see Africa being gobbled up by the Europeans. And, um, again, the, the exceptions being Ethiopia and Liberia. Liberia because it's protected by the U.S., Ethiopia because they're able to defend themselves against the Italians and then get all the other Europeans to say, yes, you you get to stay independent. Um, and and every kind of European power gets a little bit of their, their chunk that they want. Um, now, uh, with that colonization, some areas took a lot longer than others. Uh, because there's not as much development there aren't quick areas to get across and so you got to take your your soldiers through jungles and stuff like that so some areas are going to take upwards of 16 years to colonize but um but after that then you're going to be able to pull all those resources out so that's the um kind of start that's our opening bit uh to tell you kind of who's taken over what regions and why or how this was able to happen why the europeans were able to do this and so next up we'll look at well, what did that European rule over these regions kind of look like?